This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Esports is a good aberration. We're still moving forward. We're part of something much bigger than sport right now. The health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Well, a big weekend, guys, for sure. Baseball is back, sort of. We're going to get to that uh, in just a few minutes. But all eyes, in many ways, in the sports world, turn to Atlanta once again, not for their winning ways. We don't often turn to Atlanta for uh, their winning ways, but a lot of controversy. Let's start with Major League Baseball, because it was opening weekend. And Major League Baseball coming out with a pretty bold move, I dare say, on Friday and saying, owing to the Republican-controlled legislature and the Republican governor, passing what many see as a lot of restrictive laws and regulations around voting. They are pulling the All-Star Game from Truist Field there in Cobb County that was set to be held later in the summer. Lynchy, I want to start with you. What was your gut on this and as you thought about it and talked to people through the weekend? Well, last year, Major League Baseball was the caboose among all the major sports leagues when it came out to denouncing uh, the death of George Floyd, uh, the surge in the demand for social justice. We were all waiting for Major League Baseball to react when all the other leagues had. Now they have become the leader. They have not, didn't wait for a groundswell. They didn't wait for any boycotts or any, any additional pressure. There's months to go until the All-Star Game, and I thought it was the right move. Uh, I applaud uh, uh, Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball for pulling the game out of there. Now, I know a lot of people will say, well, you know, well, they were going to honor Henry Aaron. You can honor Henry Aaron at any ballpark across the United States of America. And if Henry Aaron were alive today, he'd be giving a standing ovation to Rob Manfred for moving the game and taking a stand and moving it out of Atlanta. I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think you have some complicated issues on the ground there. Um, Michael Barr, it also feels like... This is a direct reaction, and I believe uh, I read somewhere and heard uh, that the Players Alliance, who we have had on this show, Curtis Granderson's group, they were directly involved in applying some pressure to Commissioner Manfred and others. So, once again, athletes driving the conversation. Oh, yeah. And, uh, in fact, now that this has happened, other corporations are – applauding MLB's move from Delta and Coca-Cola. They're applauding it as well. So it's it, and what it does is that it puts pressure on other corporations now. Well, what are you going to do? Because some big names have, have spoken about it. Uh, are you going to you know say something about the Georgia voting laws or what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I've been looking into this pretty extensively. Atlanta, as many people know who are listening to this, and you guys certainly know, is my hometown. And uh, I've spent a lot of time over the past few months on a short documentary that was released last week through our Bloomberg Quick Take Originals group that is all about sort of this nexus of sports and business and culture and politics. And 
it was largely centered on the NBA and the NFL, and 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 it's an allusion to to some point, Lynchy, to your point about how the MLB, which by the way didn't even come into the conversation in uh, in my piece because the Rays were largely left out of of these discussions, despite having. Uh, as you mentioned, Lynchy, uh, Hank Aaron, you know, is probably the most famous Brave ever. The Braves, they moved their stadium out to Cobb County, outside of Fulton County, which encompasses a lot of Atlanta. And really the, the activism, both in terms of the athletes and in terms of the teams, was left to the Hawks and the Falcons. And the Hawks, as we know, the NBA has really led the way. So here's a piece of that documentary that, that really digs into what happened in 2020 and early 21. This is Atlanta, Georgia. It's my hometown. It's also where I became a sports fan. I played some sports as a kid, and I love sports. In fact, my first real job in journalism was covering the 1996 Olympic Games. I've changed a lot since then, can see it in my hairline alone, but the city has too, especially in downtown Atlanta, which remains the epicenter of sports in Atlanta. The Hawks play within steps of the Falcons, and the College Football Hall of Fame is right across Centennial Park. Georgia Tech plays football at one of the oldest stadiums in the NCAA, just up the street. And all of this is located in the heart of Fulton County. You probably heard that name a few times in the recent elections. Fulton County. From Fulton County. Fulton County. A big part of that difference is in these counties, in this metro Atlanta area. A solidly red state for almost 30 years, back to when Bill Clinton was first elected, Georgia was suddenly in play in 2020. And record voter turnout ultimately played a key role in determining the balance of power in the United States. But if you were living in Atlanta last summer, record-setting voting seemed unlikely at best. Scenes like this playing out across Fulton County Tuesday, starting early in the morning, extending through midnight. The June 9th primary election is a primary example of systematic oppression that the people of this county still face. But far from disaster, Fulton County became a model of turnout and voter efficiency, along the way creating one of the largest voting precincts in the history of the United States. At the heart of the effort, Atlanta's sports franchises and athletes. And while some owners would open their doors, literally and figuratively, to activism, others would oppose it and end up losing their teams altogether. When you own a sports franchise, hopefully any business, but certainly a sports franchise, you have an obligation uh, to try to be relevant to the public and to the community you operate in. And that's actually good business and the right thing to do. You could just literally feel a culture shift happening. I felt like I was just excited to be a part of a city that stands for something. By now, we all know the results of those key elections, but behind the scenes were a series of crucial moves. I wanted to hear from the people who made those decisions and who once again turned Atlanta into a microcosm of race, politics, and sports. So, Lynchy, you know, obviously this is something I, I care a lot about and spend a lot, yeah. and spend a lot of time on. Um, it was a reminder to me, even as I was watching it 800 times in, in producing it and, and digging into it, 
just how much the NBA has really led the way, but also that it's not without consequence and it's not without controversy. No, and it's how I run. First of all, I want to applaud you on the piece. I watched it last night. It's uh, some of the best uh, 30 minutes of television I've seen in a long, long time. So uh, thank you. High five for you, JK. Um, I find it so ironic that Atlanta was the leader uh, among sports teams that opened up their facilities for voting. Remember, we had Steve, was it Coon, we had, uh, Steve, Steve Coonan, last year? Yeah. Steve Coonan, and they opened the State Farm Arena. Uh, to uh, a lot of voters in Fulton County. And it was many teams across the uh, country did the same thing and followed suit, but they were the leader. And now, you know, they've got to uh, clean up a mess that was created by, you know, the governor and the legislature. And here we go. You know, I, I was looking at one of the first guys that responded to this was LeBron James, who ironically just became on last Friday officially the first black owner of the Boston Red Sox ever. And he was very proud to call himself part of the Major League Baseball family today, uh, more than a vote, and uh, Black Lives Matter. So how ironic that uh, that on that day that uh, the decision was made by Major League Baseball, here comes LeBron James chiming in. Yeah, I mean, Barr, you're a longtime baseball fan, I know, and, you know, this is a league that has wrestled with this, you know, back um, to the days of Jackie Robinson and, and Hank Aaron. And I think with the passing of Hank Aaron last year, we were all reminded, and there's been some great pieces written about this, of how difficult it was for him during that time. And it wasn't just because he was playing in Atlanta and playing in the Deep South, although that certainly contributed to it. Um, but, you know, as a black man, he was his life was threatened many times. He couldn't stay at some of the same hotels that his teammates stayed in. And, you know, baseball, it is fair to say, has had a, has had a tough time of this over the years. Well, he wasn't having problems just in Atlanta. He was catching hell when right. he was with the Milwaukee Braves. Right. And it's the same thing, the same old story. And uh, after, and I know we're going to talk about this a little later about the the Masters, but I also think about uh, another black athlete, Lee Elder, who first was able to play in the Masters, 1975. And he was talking about all the threats he got then. This is 75. So now spin the clock back for Hank Aaron when you're in the 50s and he's dealing with all of this. It's ridiculous. I I have just never understood it. So, Lynchy, we Mm -hmm. designate you commissioner of baseball for a day. By the way, I think you'd be a very good commissioner of baseball. Um, (laughs) All all due respect to my my neighbor, Rob Manfred, here in Westchester County. But um, where do you put it? Where do, you, where do you put the the uh, the All Star Game? Keeping in mind that you are honoring Hank Aaron, as you pointed out, um, you know this is this will be more so than last year, a little bit more normal um, of a season. So there will be some economic benefit to wherever you put the the game. Where do you put it? Well, you could put it in Milwaukee, where yeah. he spent a good part of his career playing for the Milwaukee Braves. You could put it in Kansas City. Uh, they have the most famous uh, team in the Negro Leagues, the Kansas City Monarchs. Um, that would be my first two choices right there. And I'm, and I'm sure that either one of those two cities, there's certainly enough time 
uh, to you know to scramble and put a game together. Uh, now I know this game was awarded uh, two years ago to Atlanta. Now you have basically three months to get it ready for a July 13th All Star game. That would be my two picks. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I think M- Milwaukee is my number one pick in part because of the the Hank Aaron. Um, legacy. It, it is considered to be, you know, under the ownership of Mark Adonacio and, and his group, very well-run franchise. It's a nice ballpark. It's a good town. So that that to me makes makes the most sense. And and I like uh, I like Kansas City as well. And I mean, listen, you know, shifting gears slightly, you you think about uh, Michael Barr having to get ready in in a short amount of time. Uh, Indianapolis, we'll, we'll see the game tonight, the final game. Uh, they seem to have pulled off an historic, all-in-one-place March Madness for the men's tournament. I, this has got to be the top five in March Madness tournaments. Uh, I just, it's <laughs> like, oh my goodness. I, I think the, the best one I had seen was uh, a headline. It was over the weekend uh, and it just you you think of all these just miraculous shots, and it comes off the banking into the net, and I I I, I haven't seen anything like this in a long time, and which so but brings me to the next point. So why are the ratings down compared to the years in the past? This has been spectacular. It's it's got to be a spike in there. I would think so. I mean. I- Lynch, I'd be interested in your perspective on this. I I think part of it is you have fewer people who are tuning in live like we do. I mean, yes, sports drives live viewing. You know, I would argue that um, that Suggs shot will be viewed millions, if not billions of times uh, on the Internet. I mean, the number of tweets that I saw about it, um, I'm sure there are going to be TikToks created off of it. I mean, it is unbelievable in its timeliness it's got to be and and you know your your basketball history and your sports history better than anyone it's got to be one of the biggest shots in the history of sports yeah without question you you think of christian leitner's shot yes uh that certainly comes to mind um gordon haywood almost made one for butler (laughs) because he he launched (laughs) one for for half court that almost went in uh but this was and what he did before he made the shot he went up and blocked a short dunk and then started a fast break which resulted in two points as well yeah what a ball player this kid is and i was you know one of my i was this happened late at night and i was screaming downstairs no oh my god what is going on dad everything all right someone breaking into the house no you gotta see this it's they could care less, you know. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was oh. unbelievable. I mean, it, it reminded me a little bit of that um, of that Villanova North Carolina game a few years ago, where you yeah. think you know you think it's going to overtime. You think you know we're playing extra ball here, and then just a just a dagger. Um, one interesting bit of trivia that that I read this morning. So huh. the final tonight is obviously going to be Gonzaga versus Baylor, two number one seeds, yeah. which we don't see that often. But notably, um, and, and I'm, I'm calling back to, I think, some of Lynch's and, and my shared heritage, uh, at least on, on the religious side. So um, you got a Catholic school in Gonzaga, a Baptist school in uh, Baylor. When was the last two times two religiously affiliated schools faced off in the NCAA final? 1985 Villanova Georgetown. You got it. 
Bingo. Wow. Yeah. Also, there had, to be, there had to be a Georgetown connection. It had to be. Yeah. We knew this was going somewhere. Was, you're like, okay, so it's got to be Georgetown. When was the last time Georgetown was good? Right. 80s. Okay. So let's go back there. Um, and by the way, it's still too soon to talk about that uh, 1985 game. We, we like to talk about 1984 um, a little bit more. Um, so let's talk about baseball if we can just for a minute or two yeah. uh opening day opening weekend a tough tough look for uh both your boston red sox and your and by your i mean my atlanta braves Oof. um but a nice uh nice couple outings for the detroit tigers uh you know who we didn't see play the Mets. Uh, maybe they find new ways to lose. In this case, they find new ways not to play uh, COVID. So opening day is at least, as we tape this on Monday morning, going to be today. Uh, what's your outlook for the MLB season, Barr? Uh, I, I think it's going to be good. And, I, and I, I'd like the the, the cautious attitude uh, about the, the Nationals. That's why, in case anybody's wondering, that's why the Mets did not play their series opener uh, against the Nationals because uh, there were several National players that tested positive for COVID. And now tonight's game with the Nationals against the Braves, that's been scrapped because of the same thing. So, uh, I but I do like the, the, the cautious tone. We, we need that. But I think it's going to be fine. I think we're going we're gonna to see 162 games. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be it's going to be an up and down season for sure. I I do wonder. I mean, I was watching the Phillies and the Braves over the weekend, and uh, oof, other than the quality of baseball uh, being suboptimal from the Braves' perspective, they scored. By the way, I don't know if you saw this three runs over three games. Three <laughs> zero three. Um, yep. In any case, setting that aside, I mean, fans in the stands there in, in Philly, and obviously it's not full yet unless you are in Arlington, Texas, but, you know, this is the business side that has to come in because Lynchy, we remember from all the discussions we had last summer that a majority of the revenue for baseball is the gate. They need yep. butts in those seats. They do. 40, 40% usually is the uh, the average number for Major League Baseball. And there's a disparity on all the different seats. We've talked about this before. Now, I'm up here in Boston. They have the smallest ballpark, but Governor Baker also has the smallest percentage. Only 12% of the 37,000-plus can go in. So that's roughly 4,500. You go to Arlington, Texas, they're allowing 100% in. 40,000 people are allowed down there. So there's going to be a little bit of the haves and the have-nots uh, until uh, we get... Uh, 100% capacity in uh, around Major League Baseball. And limited uh, attendance this week uh, down, we're going to end up where we started, uh, down in Georgia, the Masters in Augusta. Mm. Um, if it feels like we just played the Masters, it's because we did. It was in November. Yeah. <laughs> it was delayed um, from last April, but now it is much more uh, on schedule. A uh, little bit of a, a different feel in terms of how many people will be there. Um, you know, Barr, you, you referenced this earlier. I would have to think, given, and again, starting where we are, ending where we started, um, I, I got to think with the complicated uh, history of Augusta National when it comes to both race and gender, this discussion around voting rights, this discussion around access, this discussion around equality is going to continue throughout this weekend in Augusta. Oh, yeah. And, and part of that, and I mentioned Lee Elder earlier, he will join 
uh, Jack Nicholas on the you know the ceremonial first tee mm-hmm. uh, to start the tournament. So Lee Elder is going to be out there, and it makes you think about all of the stuff that uh, that that. <laughs> I'm glad that things are changing, but we still need a long way to go. Let's put it that way. There's a long way to go, and I think we all think back to. I think we talked about this on this podcast, watching that recent Tiger Woods documentary, which was based on our pal. Jeff Benedict's book and and seeing the way that the the lords, as it were, of, of Augusta National, led by Billy Payne, um, the way they treated Tiger Woods, you know, back when he was going through a lot of uh, his troubles. Uh, I mean, Augusta National, no one has ever accused them of being in any way progressive. Let's say that. So we'll see. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, I was a little surprised over the weekend that it, it wasn't. Um, catching more attention you know the fact that uh you know that's the other big sporting event that's going on down there especially in in light of uh what happened with major league baseball so uh play ball tee off uh sports are back in some ways but it continues to be a very complicated world gentlemen this is the bloomberg business of sports podcast i'm michael barr along with mike lynch and jason kelly and I'm up here in Boston with my winless Boston Red Sox. I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at LynchyWCVB. <laughs> and I'm Jason Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Kelly News. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week for more conversations. We're getting into it uh, this week. And speaking of the Masters, you can catch live Masters coverage across Bloomberg Radio across the weekend. Go get them, Tigers. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world, and online, wherever you get your podcasts.